Hey guys, welcome to Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. My name is Luis. And I'm Scott. Welcome to today's podcast. Let's get started. Hey listeners, welcome to our latest episode. This week, we are interviewing our good friend, Brian Johnson, from the Kansas City Underground. During this episode, you will get to hear portions of Brian's story and how he has been participating in building the Kansas City Underground. The Kansas City Underground is one of our biggest supporters. Kansas City Underground is a disciple-making movement in the city of Kansas City. We hope you enjoy hearing from Brian. For the sake of time, we've cut this episode into two parts. Enjoy the episode. Brian, uh, thanks for joining us here on Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Uh, for our listeners, today is going to be a huge treat. We have Brian from the KC Underground. And Brian, we met you maybe a few weeks back, uh, not yet two maybe months. A month or so, yeah. yeah, yeah, not yet two months. And man, we loved your guys' heart, uh, you and uh, Rob Wegner and others from. Uh, the KC Underground hosted our learning community with Exponential. We've mentioned that on the podcast before. And we just want to start and kind of kick it off by kind of just, hey, our listeners uh, would love to learn a little bit more about you and your story. So uh, go ahead, take it away, man. Just share a little bit about who you are. And Well, I'll give you kind of the quick overview that you know everybody gives of their family. And then maybe you can ask some more specific questions of what you want to know. I was raised in the southeast so the deep deep south uh if you have stereotypes about a church kid from the southeast i am the reason they exist um, <laughs> i'm married to Kristen. we've been married for uh 17 years but together for seven four is 20 so 21 years high school sweethearts yeah uh we've got five kids the three in the middle are triplets and uh, so, uh, three boys, two girls, uh, moved to Kansas city five years ago, six years ago, actually now, uh, to be a part of Westside family church is a mega church here in Kansas city as one of their worship leaders. So I've committed my life to full-time vocational ministry when I was nice. 18. And so I've led worship and very little tiny churches and medium sized churches and large churches and traveled and did it. And so that was kind of a part of my journey, uh, but really reached a point several years back where I had this sort of disconnect in my soul of like, I, I don't I don't think that we're really following through on what Jesus called us to do of making disciples, of loving our neighbors well. Um, I'm really good at planning an event and they're really good when they happen, um, but it wasn't it wasn't resonating with what I thought the heart of Jesus desired for us. And so our family's kind of been on this 10 year journey of 12 year journey, something of like, how do we multiply disciples? How do we invite people into our life? How do we create these extended spiritual families and really see that multi-generational disciple making that we think Jesus is calling us to. And so, yeah, like I said, it's been about a 12-year journey. Six years ago, I, I, we moved to Kansas City, joined the staff of Westside Family Church, um, connected with Rob Wegner. And the two of us really just kind of went on this journey of, you know, how do we um, how do we take these people that are within this faith family and really equip them to live 
as missionaries in the everyday stuff of life and then make disciples and then to see these like small extended spiritual families emerge out of that. And, and so we began to do that really within the context of that sort of mega church environment. And two years ago, we launched out with uh, three micro churches and about 72 missionaries that committed to go with us to say, we want to join arms for the sake of gospel saturation in Kansas City. And so over the last two years, we have, uh, we've seen new missionaries emerge and join us. We've seen uh, so many new disciples made, and uh, we've seen 32 microchurches emerge out of unreached pockets of people, really out of the lostness in our city. And that's what we want to see by God's grace. We want to fill this city with the beauty, the justice, and the good news of Jesus. So I just weaved a whole bunch of stuff together. You might be lost. I don't know. So <laughs> good. That's a, that's a high overview of my story. Yeah, dude, there's multi-generational, there's a bunch of other stuff going on. Basically, the goal of today's podcast is to introduce our listeners both to you and the work of the KC Underground. So I think you did a good job at that. Yeah, man, the Kansas City Underground is, uh, at least in my very new experience with you guys, like a cool undertaking. But Brian, could you maybe share with uh, the listeners that transition from the megachurch mindset and model to uh, missional communities and how the Kansas City Underground just kind of emerged from that. Um, I know you said you started with three and you had 72 people committed. Maybe a little specifics or kind of uh, paint the picture for us. What did that transition look yeah. like and um, how yeah. hard was it? Difficulties, the wins? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So let me dive deeper into that story a little bit. So when we were at West Side, when I dropped in, six years ago, like I said, we created a learning community that we called the blessed learning community. Now it's a disciple making environment we call missionaries made. And that's the outcome we're aiming for us. I know that that word missionary often has a lot of baggage around it. It, mm. it can be kind of a frustrating word, but it's actually rooted in a biblical concept of sent ones. And, mm. and this idea that as followers of Jesus, we are all sent ones. Like it's our identity because God is a missionary God. And if he is a missionary God, then we as his children are a missionary people. Like he was the one that sent his son. And in a way he's sending himself to pursue us. So if that's his DNA, our very DNA as followers of Jesus is to be sent ones that go after those that don't yet know how much they matter to Jesus. And so you know, as like a core theological conviction, we desire just to help everyday people like step into that identity as sent ones. And so this blessed learning community that we started was about teaching people these rhythms, these what we call missionary rhythms of begin in prayer, listen and engage, eat, serve, and story. And so the, the blessed rhythms have been out there for a long time. Nobody's actually sure who came up with it, but they're rooted again in this like, this ancient sort of way of uh, God telling Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Yeah. Not I'm going to bless you. Hang on to it. I'll bless you to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. So it's always about giving away. 
Um, but we kind of put our own spin on it to say that each of those has a breathing in and a breathing out rhythm. We breathe in prayer. We breathe out prayer. We breathe in listening. We breathe out listening. How do we do that? We breathe in Jesus. Where are you at work? We breathe out Jesus. How can I join you? Yeah. We breathe in listening to the stories of the people in the place. We breathe out by engaging in relationships. We breathe in meals with disciples of Jesus. We breathe out meals by throwing parties and inviting our neighbors mm -hmm. over. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we're teaching people these rhythms, people that have like, they've, they've got some, some habits of reading scripture and accountability. They've got, uh, they've got some desire to like, to do something. They just need to be equipped with tools because these are people that have been in the church, but have never been equipped to, to live the gospel out, make disciples. We had about 40 people that journeyed with us through this learning community and they started doing it. And by that, they started, I mean, they started blessing their neighbors um, and, and other networks of relationships, workplaces, business leaders that were doing this, right? And so, like, stories started to emerge out of this of people saying, hey, um, like, this happened to me. My neighbors, when we live, when we moved in, we intentionally lived these rhythms. We're going to pray for our neighbors, learn their story, throw parties, serve them tangibly in the hopes that we'll get to share the story of how Jesus has changed us and how the gospel changes everything, right? And man, after some months of just living this way, I had a neighbor just walk across the street, walk up on my porch, because we always are outside trying to be present. He said, hey, I need to get faith back into my life. Can you tell me how to do that? Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, literally a month later, uh, or two months later, another neighbor walks over and walks up onto my porch. Again, we're trying to live in a predictable patterns for our neighbors. And he says, I think God tried to talk to me three times today. Can you tell me if he did? And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. I don't know that I can. <laughs> yeah. um, and so like, we're getting these stories from so many people saying like, we're living these blessed rhythms and people are moving towards Jesus but their next step towards him isn't into the weekend service. Like that's still too far for them. Right. And so we created another sort of year long experience with these people to say, okay, you've helped your neighbors begin to have spiritual conversations, move towards Jesus, but what's they're not moving towards traditional church like that. That's out, out of their narrative, you know? So we created this year long experience that at the time we called the simple church learning community. Now we call it the microchurch learning community, but at the time that's what it was. And so it was like, how do we help simple forms of church arise out of this new disciple making that's happening? And so we saw seven of those emerge um, in different contexts, the business, travel youth, baseball leagues, and then several just like kind of traditional neighborhood settings because that was where we lived. Um, and so we, we really reached a point where, uh, it, it, we just said, you know, this is like a new wine skin. It's mm -hmm. a new wine. It's a new wine that needs a new wine skin. Mm -hmm. And, and as you begin to make disciples in this way, it was like the prevailing church model that we were existing in. It was like, there's this desire, like, Hey, all these people that are connected, to these simple churches, are they coming back here? And we're like, no, we, we can't force that. Right. Like we have to let that, that be, we want to see families of missionary disciples emerge and we don't want to tell them you have to come back here. 
and so it was really kind of this point where we reached a place where we said, you know, we need to really open up our, our paradigm and say, we need to create a decentralized network of, of people that are committed to following Jesus, that want to make disciples in the everyday stuff of life. And then we want to help them create these extended spiritual families that exist on mission in their pocket of, of people in Kansas City. Uh, and so uh, Westside said, that sounds beautiful. We bless you to go and do that. And they celebrated sort of our you know, departure into starting something new. And there were probably about 70 people that we had been kind of giving our life to, making disciples among, that said, hey, we think we get what you're saying, but we're really, we're sort of sure, but not sure, but we're with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, they, so they came with us. And what we launched was, basically, we call it a mission agency. The Kansas City Underground is not a church. It's a mission agency that exists for the purpose of gospel saturation in the city. And we, the Kansas City Underground is a mission agency, but it's also, so think of it kind of as a two entity structure. The other side of us is a decentralized network of missional leaders and micro churches within Kansas City. And again, our, we say our, our mission is to see Kansas City filled with beauty, justice, and the good news of Jesus. Yeah. And we're, we're going to do that when we see a missionary on every street and a micro church in every network of relationships. I don't know if I answered your question, Dude, but I tried. <laughs> no. I mean, I think you went deep. You got like a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm learning, taking notes. Those of you who are listening, you can't see that. You probably hear my pen clicking and writing, but Yeah, he's he's taking notes here, guys. But there's a there's there's a lot, a lot of good stuff. And 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 I pick something else up every time we hear the story and every time we hear more about what you're doing. A couple of things stand out to me from this time around. Um, I want to, two, two things specifically, you talk about living in predictable patterns. I want to like pause on that and kind of go back to that and tell us why you guys think that's important. And then the other thing is talking about a decentralized um uh, unpacking the idea of, of a decentralized network. Um, but let's start with uh, predictable patterns and then we'll go to the other thing. Talk to us why predictable patterns are important in, to, to living on mission. Yeah, for, for most people, I just got chills actually thinking about this. Mm. I got that little mm, mm. running down the spine. It's such a simple concept, but overlooked by most of us in the West. You know, we, we kind of make this joke. If you've ever seen those plate spinners that like they got the plates on the sticks and they're just like running between them, mm -hmm. keeping them spinning. Like that's how we live our lives. And usually when we say that to people, they're like, just kind of nod their head with that look on their face yeah. of like, sort of not, not like depressed, but like, yep. Yep. That's my life. You know, cause we're running between work. And then we're running over here to our kids, whatever league that we got to get them to. And then we're trying to get our home life normal. And maybe we know our neighbors. And if church is in that, usually it's not intersecting any of those other worlds, right? Yeah. And we're just like running back and forth, trying to keep all of these different places spinning. And most of the time, at best, we're exhausted. But at worst, the plates start dropping. Yeah. And 
Uh, it's a it's a simple missionary practice to understand like you have to create if you want to see disciples made you have to live in such a way that your patterns are predictable and the people that you like the the that God has put on your heart these are people let me let me take one step back you have to choose a context first yep before you choose predictable patterns you have to decide to whom has Jesus sent me right I told you we have five kids. Cash was 22 months old when the triplets were born. <laughs> so we have four kids under the age of two at one point, right? Now we have five kids that are nine and under, you know, like they're packed in there. We don't go really anywhere <laughs> because who wants to do that with five kids that are all. We get it. We have four. <laughs> nine and under two. We live in our neighborhood, not because we have to, but because we chose to. Because guess what? Our neighbors have kids, right? And we got kids, and our lives intersect in that way. And we walk to the school and back every day. It's like we just looked at our neighborhood and we're like, well, we're not going to go out to eat a bunch. Our kids don't play in a bunch of sports leagues yet. You know, we're here. Okay. So, so we feel like Jesus said, Love your neighborhood, love your actual neighbors, make disciples in this neighborhood, see a microchurch emerge here. So when we chose that, that means we can say yes to our neighborhood and no to a bunch of other things because we understand to whom Jesus has sent us. Right. Now we also have tools to help other people do this, but like that's critical to understand to whom you've been sent. So it's our neighborhood. So what do we do? Every Friday night, we should grill out. Eventually, our neighbors are going to catch on. Not not the grills out back, but the grills out front. And right. every week they know, like, and that dude's out in his front yard every every Friday night. Every Monday through Thursday. And that dude and his wife are always on their porch. And they always wave at us when we go by and say hello and check on us. You know what I mean? Like, we create these rhythms and it's not just about people seeing us. It's about us seeing people. Come on. So Sorry, as we watch that. them, we go, man, Jim is very chipper nine times out of 10, but he looks really down tonight. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm coming off the porch and going, Hey bro, you okay? Right. Like, and I, I've developed enough relational capital. I can ask that question. He's seen us, you know, right. I'm recognizing something's not right. And I can enter into that moment. And so it's not just about the predictable patterns. It is in the sense that they know we are a space that they can enter into. Like we've seen you out. We know we can come over the gate on the backyard is open, right? I can step into that space, but we're watching them, you know, because we're being intentional. So, um, if your neighbors are watching you and like you're always gone, you're not a safe person. If your coworkers are looking at you and you never go to lunch with them, you always show up late, you leave early, you never join in the, the after, you know, the five o'clock, whatever. You're not a safe, you're not safe. They can't give their lives to you. You can't give your lives to them. If it's, that's just, that's a network, our neighborhood and a workplace situation, right? So just think about to whom has Jesus sent you. And it's like, are you bending? This is the language I use. Are you bending your life towards them? Mm. You know, like. So good. 
I love golf. I just, I grew up playing it, right? Do my neighbors play? Nope. Do I play golf now? Not much. Because it takes me out of my context for a bunch of hours. I, I just refuse to do that. I won't do it. You know, is your context, whatever, graffiti artist. I don't know. These are people you love, right? Um, I only paint alone. I don't paint with anybody. Well, you're probably never going to make disciples with graffiti artists. You know what I mean? Like, you have to think through that kind of stuff. If we're going to be like really good missional people that enter into the stories of others. Um, you know, my buddy Corey, that's like invested in the Johnson County jail here. Like he just felt God call him to go plant the gospel in the jails and like his family rhythms are built around him going into the jails when there's visiting hours and he can step in and minister in that way. And for guys that get out of jail and are connected to their microchurch, the dude gives up three hours every Saturday morning to be a part of their little gathering. He's bent his life towards that. That's right. That's the question. Are you bending your life towards the people that Jesus has sent you to? That's powerful. And that's just, dude, that's such gold. Ask yourself that question right, right now. I'm asking myself that question right now. But the, 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 the previous question is identifying who uh, Jesus has sent you to. And I think you guys, like you said, have tons of tools for that. Um, uh, you walk people through identifying the call in their life. Even when you begin in prayer, you know, where, where you're at work and you know, how can I join you in that too. I want to kind of just go back to the, the other thing that you talked about, a decentralized uh, network. I've been kind of like bouncing this idea around in my own mind, you know, because we feel like here in the city of Seattle, in the greater Seattle area, Jesus is calling us to do something similar to what you guys have going on there in the KC Underground. Um, and what I've been sensing is that there's a lot of things going decentralized, right? Crypto, there's Uber, there's Lyft. Like the world is moving towards a decentralized model of everything, decentralized everything, right? But decentralized does not mean disorganized, right? I've been, I've been sensing the spirit kind of saying that to me uh, and, and kind of figuring it out. And you guys have like systems uh, for a, a lot of the stuff that you're trying to build and do. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about uh, the systems that you guys have and have been able to develop? What's worked, maybe what, what hasn't worked, that kind of thing? Yeah, I would also say not only is, does it not mean disorganized, it also means not disconnected. Hmm. So let me go there first. Yeah. Most people, when they think decentralized, I say most people, I don't know that most people sit around and think about what that word means, <laughs> but I, I think in some, in some ways it's like decentralized. That means it's maybe define decentralized for some people when you, what you mean when you talk about decentralized. Um, we're not pulling people into something and saying, come do our thing. We're not taking power to the center. Decentralization ultimately comes down to the power structure, right? So if, if at the end of the day, we're just doing the same thing we've always done, then I'd look at the two of you and anybody listening and I'd go, well, it needs to be your neighborhood. Why? Because that's what my context is and that's what I do. 
now both of you and i don't know how many people you got listening they'd be like this sounds like just another white dude that wants us to like go reach our suburban white neighborhoods mm-hmm. i don't want you to do that like does is that like my call yes and i'm radically committed to it now does that mean that it's everybody's call no you know what i mean like if Jesus moves us tomorrow and gives us a new passion for something and like says, go reach X thing, we would have to reorganize and reorder our lives. Rebend. Yeah. And, and, and centralization is all about the way that we say, come do this, this way. What decentralization about is about pushing power to the edges and saying, Oh no, 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 no. Please don't do what I'm doing. Jesus just called us to these people and we love them so much. Mm. But like you're, you may not be called to your neighborhood because you may not live in a neighborhood like I live in. And if you're in an apartment complex, your strategies and systems are going to look very different. You know, you don't have the same like outdoor spaces that I have. So you have to, you have to think way more creatively about that than I do. Um, if it's your, when I say a network of relationships, if it's like, you know, um, I'm going to give you some examples of ours. We have like, uh, LGBTQ community, rodeo community. Yeah. Rodeo microchurch, um, (laughs) formerly incarcerated men, women who have come out of addicted backgrounds and abused backgrounds, Algerian refugees, right? That's five very highly diverse people groups I just named. And we have micro churches in all five of those. Mm. None of them look the same. Like the way that they express themselves, but we're pushing power out to the missionary who has made disciples among each of those pockets of people. And we've said, Jesus has called you to go reach them. Tell us how we can support you and what you're doing rather than centralization, which is come to us and do our thing and help us achieve our mission. Right. Well, if you come help me, that means you got to move into my neighborhood and do that with me. <laughs> you know, but decentralization is actually, I'm going to give you the authority and the blessing. I don't even have to give it to you. Jesus gave it to you, right? Mm-hmm. To say, he has created you to go reach those people. I just want to blow wind in your sails. I want to give you tools. I want to pray for you. And I want to see disciples made where Jesus is calling you to make disciples. That's decentralization. So when we think about that, sometimes people go to a place where it's like, man, that sounds so disconnected. Everybody's doing their own thing. So it might be, you might immediately think disorganized, um, which is the, the word that you use, right? So I got to answer them. I'd answer that in this way. Um, we are a network that is built around a set of values that draws us to the center. I'll be careful not to say it's centralized. Um, the, the language I'd use, if you're familiar with this guy, Alan Hirsch, he uses this language of a bounded set versus a centered set. Mm, yeah. So, so a bounded set means we put up walls. Right. And we, we hold everybody in. So you have to call it a small group and you have to do this curriculum. 
we, we don't do that. <laughs> you know, it's like um, a bounded set says you have to believe that these theological truths about Jesus or about God or about whatever. Um, a bounded set says uh, women can't be in ministry because we believe this. A centered set. So the way that Alan explains it is like American ranchers. We put up we put up big fences and we keep our cattle in. Do you know where the cattle go? To the fences, and they figure out how far they can go. Right. If you look at Australian outback ranchers, they don't build fences. They dig wells. Right. Where do the cattle go? To the, the wells. wells. And so a centered, a centered set rather than a bounded set means we put something at the center that draws everybody towards it. But what's at our center? At our center is Jesus is Lord. Like we believe radically that Jesus is Lord. That means we submit every area of life to him. We submit our finances to him. We submit whether or not we open up our kitchen tables to him. We submit our parenting to him. We submit our marriages to him. We submit whether or not we, you know, I don't know, pick it. Everything is submitted to the authority of Jesus as Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening. 